only have a 401k, you're not getting the most for retirement. Wait, what? Add a Robinhood IRA on top, then they'll boost it by 3%. You can do that? And if you transfer in any retirement account, you get 3% on top of that. Is there a limit to the match? No limit. Robinhood Gold gets you the biggest contribution match of any IRA on the market. Sign up for Robinhood Gold at Robinhood.com slash boost by April 30th. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Match on transfers subject to additional terms and conditions. Robinhood Financial LLC, member SIPC. The Bridge on FM 96.9 The Game, powered by Advent Health. Advent Health is sponsoring its Children's Day of Giving on December 14th, and it's your chance to help kids in the hospital this holiday season. Your donation, by the way, stays local, helps cover gas and grocery bills for families with kids undergoing treatment. Visit giveforkidstoday.com. That's give for kids today.com musical theme guess mike just guess wild guess uh it's thanksgiving so songs of thanks being thankful showing gratitude stuff like that mm, well, i know this is the beatles This is the band Daniels thinks is overrated. I never said that. What do you mean you never said that? I said the studio version of the Beatles and their amazing ability of writing and producing songs is one of the great mm-hmm. efforts. I think they're not a great stage band. To see them live, they they didn't do anything. They just stood on the stage and sang their songs. And when they appeared on television, it was audio tracks. Uh, when they were on the Ed Sullivan show, okay, that was not an audio track. Okay, we keep going back to the three-minute segment on a TV variety show. When they were singing, I want to hold your hand yeah, in front given of the Ed. Ch- if given the choice of watching a stage show of Mick Jagger and the Rolling Stones versus the Beatles, which would you choose? I would rather see the Beatles on the Ed Sullivan show with the great puppet <laughs> Toto Gigi. Oh, Oh, you wanted Lamb Toto Shisho. <laughs> who, was, who was that puppet on the... Was it Toto Shisho? <laughs> I don't remember. Oh, wow. Anyway. so No, I'd rather watch Rolling Stones in concert. Yeah. No question. All right. Yeah. The Beatles are sort of like the Eagles in concert. The Eagles are a great studio band, and their music is great, and their writing is great. Yeah. But... Yeah, but when they're in concert, it sounds just like, and they're just they're just harmonizing right. up there, just like they're on their album. Right. Yeah. Do you think he can get away with Topo Gigio today on TV? I don't even remember what he was. What was he like a mouse or something? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what was his name? Topo Gigio. T O P O G I G I O. Was he like an Italian mouse? Yeah, that's why I think it could be tough to pull that off today. Hmm. Sort of like Kravitz's Uncle Paulie. Yeah, you know. <laughs> anyway. All right, before we get into the, the UCF debacle uh-huh. on Sunday, or on Saturday, um, <laughs> what happened to your Giants yesterday? Mike, um, I'm not quite mm-hmm. sure that a, a football exists anymore for me, so, I mean, I mean, we'll talk about it if you want, but... Nah. I, no. I'm not quite sure that, that that football after what happened Saturday, then on Sunday, 
Then the Knicks lost by 21 to Phoenix. Like I was clinging to UCF beating Santa Clara in the Bahamas last night to give me some type of uh, positivity. They, they did win. That's correct. Yeah. yeah. By the way, did you watch any of that Jets-Patriots game? Oh, my God, was that awful. Well, the best part is the post game when somebody in the media spends far too much time asking Zach Wilson if the offense let the defense down. And after like a 40-second question, he goes, no. And it's kind of like, dude, you passed for 72 yards. Like, you know. By the way, Joe uh, Flacco has played in three Jet games, and he still leads the team in touchdown passes. He does? Yes. He's got more than Zach Wilson does. And now you have Jet defensive players that are openly discussing, hey, this can't happen anymore. I mean, this can't work. we got to have some changes, and... You know, we can't go out there and hold the opponent to 100 yards and not win. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, the the the, the end. And, and by the way, the end of the game punt return by Oof. the Patriots yeah. with a few seconds left. It looked like it was going to go to overtime. And, you know, it's 3-3. Three to three. It's just painful to watch. And then Marcus Jones of the Patriots returns the, the punt. 84 yards for a touchdown. Did you see the block in the back at the end of that? Uh, It's fascinating because I saw it on Red Zone, and, you know, Scott Anson's like, look at this potential block in the back, and then like 20 minutes later, he says the league confirmed the following about the play, that it wasn't really in the back, and it was kind of odd. Yeah. Because I remember it hearing wasn't him going, in the back. Right, right, and I'm like, wait, the league answered to the red zone and said this is how they saw it, and it's like, wow, that was kind of interesting. Um, yeah, it 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 certainly looked like it, but I, I I get why it's not called, and you're wondering why. And I, I, there's a few people on Twitter that I follow, and, and one of the guys I have on my show when it comes to officiating stuff, and. Their point was, you're picking up the crew running down the field, and it's a tough angle to see live because of where it takes place and where the officials are on the sidelines and one guy that's deep. But the argument is the guy deep is supposed to see it. But then the question is, from the angle that he's at, can he tell it it's a block in the back? Now, doesn't mean the Patriots wouldn't have still had a kick for a field goal because you're backing it up from the spot of the foul. And they still made. And he probably game. and he probably wouldn't have caught the guy anyway. Right, but you can make, you know. Yeah, he the could, might could have dove, dove, and and you know. Right now, and hit him in the legs right. and knocked him over. Now Brett Bielema has a better argument about the no pass interference call. Oh, God. <laughs> and yeah, and he's one hundred percent right. And you, that's part of the reason why I always tell you about conference officials. Mm-hmm. There's no mm-hmm. doubt it's protect Michigan and Ohio State to get to this week. Yeah. By the way, you better watch out for the Washington Commanders in the NFC East. Mm. Okay, can 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 you just not keep spitting on me? Can you just let me get through a couple days here of what was a miserable football weekend? It's you know the Giants will lose thirty eight six of the Cowboys this week. God, the Cowboys. That's my feeling today. Yeah, the Cowboys just dismantled Minnesota yesterday. Right. Dak yeah, looked I, good. Tony Pollard was unbelievable. I, yeah. They're running the ball. Right. Go Again, just go figure football. I mean, every time you think you got it figured out, you don't. Like, we'll get into college next. 
explain South Carolina. Just, I mean, again, watch any of the Gator game and go, well, that team's done. That team's awful. Spencer Rattler, what a what a bust he's been. And then it was just like, name the score and then more. Right. God, that was a that was a bad loss too. Tennessee had they had a chance at the playoff. First team to be ranked in a college football playoff ranking number one that won't make the playoffs. Ooh, really? Yeah. Didn't know that. Wow. Wow. All right, straight ahead. Uh, did UCF blow the season on Saturday? We'll get into that. You can get into the tiebreakers because I don't quite understand what happens if there's a three-way tie for second place in the American. Uh, who will make the, uh, uh, the conference championship game? We'll get into all that next on The Bridge. Welcome back to The Bridge, brought to you by Advent Health with the support of world-class expertise in whole person care. It's time to feel whole with Advent Health. To learn more, visit adventhealth.com. A couple of texts I want to read you, Daniels. Get your reaction. Um, this is how uh, fan bases react. By the way, quick update. England leads Iran 3-0 in the first half of their World Cup match. And, and and in stoppage time, they put 14 minutes on the clock, which what? I don't think I've ever seen. <laughs> it's insane. Anyway, go ahead. Um, let's see. Uh, the calls for Billy Napier's job got louder this weekend, and if the Gators get creamed by FSU, Napier might be gone. Uh-huh. Good Lord. Is this what, <laughs> does this guy really believe this? or is he? Yes, just, he does. He does? I, it, unless it's like someone attempted humor where they would say just joking or something. I, yes, I believe. Remember, Mike, there's always that 10% of your fan base that lives to the extreme level that every single <laughs> week the coach is fired and so forth. I mean, every fan base has it. Well, Daniels, I hope you will heed this fan's advice because this fan says, where is it? It's it's time for Mark Daniels to accept calling questions for UCF's coaches show. Gus deserves UCF's fans' fury! Mm. Exclamation point. There you go. The the fury, Daniels. There is a fury out there. What happened? By the way, that's the same part of the fan base that that feels like, you know, they demand and therefore should get. Like, what answer is going to ease your emotion right now? Like, would you like him to go... Yes, we didn't do that. You'd be like, okay, that's all I needed. I'm, I'm, I'm fine now. Like, like, like that'll make your life better. Like, you grill him, and then he gives an answer, and then you'd be like, okay, I'm good. Yeah, got Fury. it. Yeah. All right, what happened, Daniels? What happened? Explain how big of a loss this was. By From reading your column at 969thegame.com, it sounds to me like, if all things go as they should, UCF will not make the conference championship game. Well, I, I mean, we got to play the week, so I, I don't I know. know that. But do you want to talk about the game first or the impact of the loss? You tell me. I want to talk about uh, talk about the game first, and then we'll get into the ramifications. What do you think happened? Uh, well, I, I, 
I think uh, Navy's opening drive set a tempo that I think surprised UCF, that, that they methodically went down the field and scored a touchdown and did it chewing up time off the clock and ran some things that I think UCF was like, wow, why are we not stopping? Uh, the style of blocking absolutely came into play. They got beat. And then Navy can sometimes lull you into playing their game. But what surprised me was how effective Navy's defense was. Now, a couple things come into play here. Uh, John Rice Plumley apparently was not 100%. He mm-hmm. was not a run threat at all at the start of that game. And there's no reason to think that he would not have been. But he had two carries, and one was not by design. And all of a sudden you're like, something's not right here. He's not being used as a run threat. Then Do you he, think that was because of his shoulder? I think he was not 100% because then you took a look at some passes and you're like, hmm. Now, that doesn't mean that's why they were, uh, that's the only reason why they were ineffective. Navy did some things in their defense that UCF did not respond to. The offensive line that dominated the week before did not have the same type of game. And uh, so Plumlee's not effective in the first half. Um, And then you make the change to Mikey Keene. A, because you want to change things up, or B, that Plumlee's not healthy. So you have that drive down the field, and you're like, okay, and two-point conversion with Plumlee through, and you're tied at 14. Here's UCF's next possessions, okay? You force a three and out, get the ball back, and then the pressure comes on Keene. They blitz basically every down. He fumbles the ball, Navy gets the field goal. Then UCF goes punt, 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 and turn it over on downs. That's their remaining possessions because Navy held the ball long enough. And in Who's the, second, the Navy guy that kept sacking the quarterback? You mean the guy that became the National Player of the Week that had four yeah. sacks for Navy? But UCF yeah. in the second half uh, is one for six on third downs. And they could not run the ball. And without getting into deep football terms of zero coverage, they basically challenged Mikey Keene and UCF's offensive line, pick up our blitz, and they didn't. And they were never the same passing the football. You can make the argument that UCF's defense did make the second half adjustments. Navy in the second half had 88 total, uh, I'm sorry, 82 total yards and 35 came on that final drive, which they successfully ran to run out the game. They had the fourth down spot, which, you know, I mean, that's, yeah. I and mean, you can argue that, that the spot was wrong, but don't let it come down to that. So the defense made adjustments. UCF offense just struggled and could not make plays. The ground game, Disappeared. This was a team that was averaging 250 yards a game on the ground, and they were shut down. And okay, I'm looking at I'm looking at the stats here, though, Daniels. I'm yeah. looking at at the um, I got the box score up right here. Yeah, the running stats. Uh, Bowser and uh, R.J. Harvey both averaged over six yards per carry. Yep. Um. So, I mean, they were. Able to run the ball at times. Did they just not run the ball enough? I, I don't know. Uh, if you go and take a look in the second half, it's a much different uh, uh, game when you want to break down some of the numbers. Okay. Not as effective uh-huh. in the second half. And look, R.J. Harvey did not play much in the second half, whether that's on personnel decisions that, that, you know, that Gus wanted to go with. Um, I don't know. Uh, but after Mikey Keene's one drive, and he's 3-for-3 three three in that drive, he goes 5-of-12. After that, um, 
for 40 yards. And they just could not figure out what Navy was doing from a defensive standpoint. And it became very frustrating. And, you know, and, and then despite that, on the last drive for UCF, they're able to get the ball to midfield. And you feel like, okay, you're in pretty good shape. And then third down, it doesn't work. And then they jumped around on the slant on fourth down. And you don't get the ball back. Navy did enough. Mike, how many times do you see Navy at third and two or third and one? And then a couple times, even though the Navy. defense played better the second half, no one's over the center. And By the Xavier, way, yeah, that's what I was going to say. Navy's quarterback sneak twi- is unstoppable. Well, twice on uh, <laughs> uh, twice on fourth down, there's no one over the center. So Xavier Arline... Uh, whether he checks off, just snaps it and goes forward because it was fourth and, and then they one. Have that running, then they have the running back pushing him at the same time. Right. So, yeah. And then they ran the left side sweep. Uh, I counted four times, and three of the times they sealed off the outside and picked up six or more yards. So it was one of those frustrating games that, with everything on the line, comes back and 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 bites you and it's it's a little head scratching and puzzling from an offensive standpoint that they were not able to move the ball um and again the extent of John Rice Plumley and you know his health uh, it, it, he didn't look the same in the first half i mean i, I noticed midway in the first quarter like he's not a run threat here like and, and what's going on and then you look back at some of the passes and well that hail mary that Hail Mary at the end of the half, he was way short on But that. even before that, he threw two balls that were short and behind guys that were wide open. Um and and yeah, then he's it's done just, that when he's he's done that when he's healthy. I know, but but I mean you go back now, you take a look and you're like, he's missing guys on, on passes there that, that based on how well, he it, played the week before, you wouldn't think. And it was a shorter pass, obviously, but he fired in that two point conversion. He pass, did. Pass. He did. Yeah. And and so you know, and next thing you know, you look up and you're limited to possessions, and that's what can happen in a game like that. And it's, uh, I mean, it's a devastating loss. You can't, you can't spin it any other way for what was at stake. Yeah, yeah. And now it comes down to what happens this week. We're going to get into the scenarios about tiebreakers and all that. First, we're going to say goodbye to our listeners in Tallahassee on FM ninety six five, the Spear. If you want to keep listening, very easy. All you have to do is go to the iHeartRadio app, search for 96.9 The Game in Orlando. Otherwise, we will catch you 6 a.m. bright and early tomorrow morning. Let's pause for station identification. WYGM Orlando, WJRR HD2 Cocoa Beach. Now, back to the bridge, powered by Advent Health, with Mike Bianchi and Mark Daniels. All right, so UCF, obviously, if they'd have won, they would have hosted the conference championship game if they beat USF this week. All right, here's all I know about the tiebreakers, all right, Daniels? Mm -hmm. All I know is UCF needs Tulsa to upset Houston this weekend to do away with all the tiebreakers, and then UCF is in if they beat USF, right? If Tulsa beats Houston, US, USF is in. Correct, right. because After then that. UCF would win the tiebreaker against both Cincinnati and Tulane for the second-place scenario, so that would make it clean. Correct. Okay. All right. So, but 
say Houston wins as expected. Houston is a 13-point favorite. Say they beat Tulsa, all right? And yep. UCF beats USF, and the loser of the Cincinnati-Tulane game is then in a three-way tie with Houston and UCF. What happens then? Okay, well, as you can read at 96ofthegame.com in the Monday notebook that I've got up, uh, welcome to the BCS again. So let me make it as clean as possible. As you said, that's the cleanest version for UCF. If Tulsa beats Houston and UCF wins, then they would go to the conference championship at either Cincinnati and Tulane. The uh, UCF cannot host the conference title game. Mm-hmm. Um, if uh, you end up in a three-way tie, meaning that UCF-Houston win, you've got three teams that would be 6-2, and two, and they did not all play each other. Mm-hmm. Um, so, meaning UCF did not play Houston. Uh, is why do you go to the next step. Then it's the highest-ranked team in the college football playoff ranking. So let's say let's say Tulane, well, let's say whoever loses Cincinnati, Tulane remains in the college football playoff ranking and UCF and Houston are not, then that team wins the tiebreaker. Okay. If the loser of Cincinnati and Tulane and UCF and Houston are not in the final college football playoff ranking, Mm-hmm then they are taking the average computer ranking of four of the one-time six computers that were used in the BCS model. That includes Anderson and Hester, Billingsley, Collie Uh Matrix, um, and Wolf. Uh, Those four computer rankings, the average average team, I mean the average of the four teams, would be the, the team that wins the tiebreaker as of today and the Anderson and Hester rankings are the last to come out. The other three are out. Um, Cincinnati and Tulane have a comfortable lead over UCF and Houston right now. The computer average of the three that are out Tulane is 23.3 Cincinnati is 24.7 UCF is 32.7 and Houston is 45. I don't think it's possible that UCF, uh, that Houston catches UCF. I don't think their win over Tulsa is going to move them up that much to pass UCF. Is it possible for UCF, though, to pass either Tulane or Cincinnati? And that's the challenge, is that the loser of that game is going to benefit of a quality of opponent that I don't know if they would fall behind UCF in that scenario. Because let me give an example. In one of the computer rankings... Um, Tulane moved up after losing to UCF because of quality of opponent. That's why tomorrow night's poll is really interesting, and I'll tell you why. To the surprise of, I think, a lot of people yesterday, UCF remained in the AP poll. Despite their loss, they were 25th, and they're 26th in the coaches' poll. Mm. Does that at all influence the committee to some degree as they gather as they are in Frisco, Texas, And if UCF can stay in the college football playoff ranking, let's say they're 25th in tomorrow's ranking, okay, that's a little bit different now. Now the question is, you're on the mind of the playoff committee, let's say at 25, and and then you go out and win. And you may need to go out and win by a lot. So the committee goes, okay, they're still worthy of being in. If the loser of Cincinnati Tulane is sitting there, does the committee then look and say, well, UCF beat this team. I can't have UCF be ranked behind the team that lost. That may be the other path for UCF. Wow. Wow. Okay. So 
in my opinion, <laughs> things aren't looking good. Obviously, that was a huge loss to Navy. Here, here's my other question, right? The other ramification of the loss to Navy, um, the Cotton Bowl was right there for UCF if they could win out, obviously. What about, say somehow, some way, UCF gets in the conference championship game, they beat either Tulane or Cincinnati, and they win the conference. Could they still get into the Cotton Bowl, or would Coastal Carolina, which has one loss now hmm. and is ranked? Well, the three Sun Belt teams, okay, and again, this has nothing to do with the college football playoff committee. The three Sun Belt teams, if you go to those computer rankings we were talking about before, all mm-hmm. three of those Sun Belt teams are higher than UCF right now. Coastal 20, Troy 21.3, South Alabama 26.7. I don't know what the playoff committee thinks of those teams. We'll see tomorrow. But but understand this. Uh, there is no guarantee that a 10-3 and 3 UCF would get in over the Sun Belt champion. And, Mike, I feel bad in saying this because of the circumstances. In a way... Coastal not playing the Virginia game I know. may become a factor in the sense. Now, yeah. now they could have beaten Virginia. Virginia 3-7, and seven, not like they're having a great year. And the tragedy led to the cancellation of that game. But if Virginia had beaten Coastal and Coastal then had won the Sun Belt, I don't think the Sun Belt champ would have got the spot. Now, um, Troy and South Alabama uh, 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 may win. But no, there is no guarantee that the American champion would get that spot the American does have some metric advantages in a lot of things the committee has emphasized, but you can't guarantee today and go, hey, whoever wins the American, you know, is going to get that spot. If the- I would think the American champion, if it's Cincinnati or Tulane, would get the spot. No? Um, meaning the team that wins this week wins next week? Yes. The yes. team that wins this week, and if the loser is back in the game, and that loser wins... Oh, oh, no, no, no. I don't know yeah. about that. Yeah. But say Cincinnati beats Tulane at home this weekend, and then Cincinnati um, wins yes. the American. Oh, no, that's a lock that they would get it. Yeah. There's yeah. no question about it. And by the way, you want to uh, get even more pain if you're a Knight fan? What? The, the, the loss by Tennessee likely drops Alabama to the Cotton Bowl. Oh, God. <laughs> oh. Yeah. So UCF could have played Alabama in the Cotton Bowl, and maybe they still will, but still. <laughs> wow. Uh, yeah. That's brutal. Wound, salt, hurt, more. <laughs> Daniels, I, 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 don't know, I don't know if you even want to comment on this, but Terry Mahajer, the AD, was hot after the game um, Saturday that UCF's players didn't stick around for the handshake and the you know, singing of the alma maters on, on, you know, military appreciation day and all of that. Um, he, he even responded to a fan on social media saying, Hey, that's not what UCS football is all about. We should have been men about it and all of this. Um, did you notice that? Yeah. I, um, look, I'm not justifying anything. I, I, I don't know what players were, were, were told. It's certainly were the players briefed on that. I wonder, I'm not aware. I I I believe that they were told this is what, but but I can't say for certain. Um, I did see a few UCF players yeah. either remember that then ran across the field to be by Navy, and you did see you know Navy 
come down to the other end of the field. I'm not justifying anything. Terry Mahajra speaks for the athletic department, and his words are the only ones that matter here. And if he's disappointed, mm-hmm. I'm sure he'll handle that internally. Um, I maybe, asked Gus about it after the game, yeah. and I didn't really understand what he was saying. Navy does it every game. So for their players to know to do it, meaning they do their song, they always go to the other team's song, so their players, it, it, it's grilled into them that they do it. Um, you know, for, for, for UCF and other teams that, you know, play Navy either a couple years or then goes off the schedule, it's not normal. That doesn't justify if the players knew they were supposed to do it, so I can't speak. But Terry's word's the only one that matters on that. By the way, real quick, what uh, what else made that loss so devastating on Saturday? Mm-hmm. That crowd that showed up mm. for an 11 a.m. kickoff? It's great. It great. Th- that was an unbelievable crowd. They were there. They were into the game the whole time. Yeah. And that's, I mean, yeah. that's disappointing. It, that, that crowd uh, had to go it, home. The crowd was great. The There's no argument. People can't say, wow, they didn't really show up. By the time you got to the middle of the first quarter, that was, that was a packed stadium. Yeah. Yeah. So my overreaction, this was the costliest or potentially could be the costliest loss in UCF history. I don't I mean you're the historian. I'm I'm sure there's been other big losses, but this was well, a big loss. I in in my 28 years for what's at stake, I'm not quite sure that, you know. Now again, you would have had to win this week and next week. So you can't yeah. say that it, you know, that but but for where you were and controlling your destiny, um at yeah, the very it's, least, it's, you would have you would have hosted the conference championship with a win over USF. Yeah, right. Again, you still had to do these other things, but you know, 2019 when the regular season win streak got snapped at Pitt, you know, Pitt ran that play and beat him, and and I mean that was disappointing. Mm, and then they okay. lost two weeks later at Cincinnati. But for what was there for you at the end of the season, that was the year that UCF went ten and three. But to be in late November and to have what you have. Uh, I I went back and I looked and I couldn't think of one I, again. I mean, you know, 2005 they hosted the conference title game when they were still at the Citrus Bowl and had 52,000, but they made the conference championship game and there wasn't a major bowl bit on the line for them after that. But for what was on the line, still needing to win two more games, uh, I can't think of another one that hurts as much. I hate to even ask this question and I can't believe I'm asking it, but. Does Tulsa have a shot at Houston? I mean, if you believe, uh, you know, the Navy have a shot against UCF. Tulsa beat South Florida, put 48 on the board. Um, you know, l- look, if you'd have told me that Houston was going to do to ECU what they did, I thought they had a chance, but they annihilated ECU, who had been playing really good football of late, and they destroyed them. Um, so I'd be very surprised um you know, if Tulsa uh, can go there and win. And it's interesting, you know, the UCF game's at 7 on Saturday. Tulsa Houston's at 7.30. So you do a little bit of scoreboard watching, but you still got to take care of business uh, yourself. And, look, that's that, that's the ramifications. I mean, you lost that game, and, and now you need help. No question. Mm. All right, we come back. There was other football on both college and pro that Mike and I will discuss when the bridge brought to you by Avonelf continues next. Well, Chris Vasquez sitting in for Scott Harris again, and it's time for Mike on to guess the artist. Ah, oh, I know who this is, Daniels. This is the early 
deviated septum. Ah, wow. I thought it was throat. I thought it was throat venom. <laughs> Actually, I think I know who this is. It's Pantera, right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, wow. Throat venom. <laughs> Your fungus one last week. There's a lot. There's a lot you can do with fungus. The fungus what was it the fungus five? Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. Fungal infection you could have done. By the way, as I'm reading, um, <laughs> and, and, and you know, I I I get a kick to some degree because you know, obviously the UCF loss is painful emotionally. But as you're talking about, they get texture about Billy Napier. So I'm just firing Billy Napier. Right. So I'm just reading a. Uh, uh, a piece posted on the college football website. What do they say? After a debacle at Vanderbilt, the honeymoon is over. Oh God! And then I no, love the. Not. And then I love the. It's unacceptable. This, it is unacceptable. This cannot happen. Yeah. That, yeah. Yeah. By the way, in my uh, Monday notebook, outside mm-hmm. of the tiebreaker scenarios, I do have the juicy. Well, it's not a juicy tidbit. It's a story on, you know. The royal blue Lamborghini and Jaden Rashada. <laughs> did Did you see that story? Nah. Um, yeah, please read it ninety six in the game dot com in the Monday Notebook. And again, there's nothing wrong that Florida did. So um, when Jaden Rashada flips from Miami to Florida, okay, mm-hmm. and, and the and the Wall Street Journal wrote this, and I credit them in the story. Um, November 9th, you Hathcock, the head of the Gator Guard, you know that has all mm-hmm. the big donors putting in money. He tweets on November 9th, tomorrow will be a great day, Gator fans. The next day, he just tweets, all good, just taking a little longer. And then the next day, November 11th, is when Rashada decommits from Miami and puts up a 43-second video on Twitter while he's posing with a royal blue Lamborghini. Who do you think owns that uh, convertible Lamborghini? Um, Hugh Hathcock. Who loaned it to the program to use for props on recruiting visits. What a coincidence. Who doesn't have an extra Lamborghini laying around that you can loan to the football program and say, ah, give it back whenever. And that, yet, now, has he loaned it to Rashada now? No, 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 no. He's given it to the program to use for props during the recruiting visit. You know, mm. most programs give players like a football as a prop to hold during a photo session. He gave them a Lamborghini to use whenever they want. Huh. And then, according to the Wall Street Journal, Hathcock says, I never spoke to Rashada which would be a violation of NCAA rules, although no one's there to police it. And by the way, there's nothing wrong about what Florida did because everybody else can do it, but, you know, that's how we roll these days. <laughs> do we? The, 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 so there's nothing in there what Rashada actually got. It wouldn't matter if he got money. It, no, it's no, no, not no. illegal. No, I'm just wondering, is yeah. there anything in the Wall Street Journal story no. about... No, and, and, and as I wrote... I, whether he got money or whether he just decided he didn't want to go to Miami, there's nothing wrong with what Florida did. It's just where we are now in the recruiting wars that exist. So there you go. Wow. Wow. Yeah. So, um, yeah, that's a bad loss. You know. Like I, the, Van, the, the Vandy loss? Yeah. It's bad. It is, but, you know, like, like I had some people emailing me over the weekend. What are you? I'm like, what, what does it really mean? Like, right. Well, there's no ramification. Like, like, you know, we had a poll today. Whose loss was worse, UCF's or Vandy's? I, I was like, UCF. UCF's loss had ramifications. Yes. The only thing that or it does it- is it takes momentum away. But I would challenge this. 
if they beat Florida State, you'll feel good again. If they lose, he'd be like, oh, six and six, and then a, a, a meaningless bowl. And I'd be like, you know, uh, all right. I mean, you'll feel that way. And then you'll be happy if he reels in a top 10 recruiting class, and then you move on yeah. to 23. I mean, what? So, so they're going to go to what? A little lesser bad bowl game now? Is that, is that the ramification of the loss to Vanderbilt? Okay, they're going to go, instead of going to a third-tier bowl, they're going to be at a, a fourth-tier bowl now? But you know what's interesting? And, and, I mean, some UCF fans, and they were on a different emotional level than Florida because of what was at stake, yeah. okay? Yes, of course, as but, as they should have been. But but that that level of fandom where you're like, well, we should never lose to these teams. I understand yeah. The feeling about that, but it's also college football that blank happens sometimes, okay? And and just because your vision is, well, we should never lose. Well, then give me the list of teams that it's okay to lose to. You know, before yes. the year, give me the list and say, well, we can lose to these teams. And here's the other, yeah, and here's the other thing. Like like you know, after the UCF Navy game, you know, on Sunday I tweeted out my column from the game and said, hey, this this was probably the costliest loss in UCF history. And I don't know who it was, but somebody tweeted out, yeah, this is why it's not the Big Four and it's still the Big Three. And I'm like, yeah, you mean like Miami's lost to Middle Tennessee State? Florida, you know, Florida's lost to Vanderbilt. All the you know, FSU's lost to Jacksonville State last year. Everybody, at some point, lo- loses to teams like this. And Navy's better than Georgia Southern. Navy's better than Jacksonville State was. So right, I'm not saying that UCF should have lost. I'm not, no. I, I'm just saying fans sometimes forget that. Stuff happens in football games, and it doesn't always go your way. You're like, well, you know, Ohio State, and yeah, okay. There's a few teams that 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 never, well, that don't lose those games as much as maybe your team does. But that list is not like 15 teams that every year goes to. Like TCU's having a season like UCF had in 17 and 18, where everything bounces your way. Every break you need goes your way. They run on the field, they're poised, they kick a field goal, they win the game. You sometimes get years like that, and you get spoiled by thinking, well, that's how it's supposed to be every single year, that you're never supposed to lose any of those games, and stuff happens sometimes, man. Yeah. Doesn't make you feel better, but stuff happens sometimes. No, I remember, what was the first game UCF lost this year? Louisville, right? Yeah. Remember when they lost to Louisville? Everybody was up and on. Oh, how do you lose to Louisville? Guess what? Louisville's pretty good now. Right. Louisville's a pretty good ACC team. They beat NC State over the weekend. Um, they gave Clemson sort of a good game. So it's, uh, that happened. They'll probably be, well, I mean, they could be Kentucky and finish 8-4. and four. Kentucky so. gave Georgia a game over the weekend. By the way, well, let, it wasn't really a game, but by the way, again, more power to the system and to the agent and coach. Okay, how about Mark Stoops and the contract extension? Oh, he gets a he gets a one year extension every time he wins seven games. Well, no, well, he got extended to thirty one now, and, and people think it's because of potential Wisconsin and Nebraska vacancies, and. I'm not questioning. So what's, it, what, what, what's his extension? To 2031, he's under contract now. And 
again, I, I'm not saying Mark Stoops isn't a good coach, but Mike, they began the year at four zero. Okay, mm-hmm. they're six and five, and yes, they played you know Georgia well. They play Louisville, which is a game that Louisville could win, right? Absolutely. They're six and six. He backs mm-hmm. up six and six next year. Guess who's going to be grumbling? Right, <laughs> Kentucky fans. The same people that were like, yeah, you know, we can't lose Mark Stoops. And I don't think he should lose him, but the race to go, you know what, just take more guaranteed money. Just take that's it. What, that's why I've always said Mark Stoops had one of the be- has one of the best jobs in college football. Because even before he got this long-term extension, any time he won seven games or more, he got a, a one-year extension on his contract. So that's what they expect. Seven games, right? Seven wins. Yeah. Isn't that a good job? Yeah, I mean, it, it, yes. But they'll grumble because he set kind of a standard where now they think that there's something else. And, again, good for him. It, it, it's $8.16 million plus incentives for Mark Stoops. And they may be 6-6 six and six this year. And in the soon-to-be-expanded SEC, as I've said, and, and now that they're going to do away with divisions... Somebody finishes 14th and 16th, and that gets coaches fired. The optics of seven-team divisions, you can still say we finished fifth in the SEC West. When you finish 14th, you get yeah. fired. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, our Kentucky fan who always texts in, a big blue hat, Gary, he goes, Kentucky's now a soccer school. I guess they beat USF to advance into the... Sweet 16 of the NCAA soccer tournament. Yeah, he's right? probably upset because basketball lost to Gonzaga last night, too, so that's why he feels that way. Yeah. Fandom. It's hard, man. It's hard. It is. Peace, love, boil peanuts. Have a great show. Uh, Monday edition of our program features a football Hall of Famer joining us in the program a little bit later. we got a lot of stuff to get to. There's World Cup action going on as we speak. The Americans play later today. Monday edition of the program kicks off next.